0: First and ten football. If you ain't in, get out. This is the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light logger. FedEx, where now meets next. LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store, Excella Health expert care here and by ireland contracting pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit irelandcontracting.com live from the north shore
1: tavern on the north shore of pittsburgh pennsylvania a beautiful sunday evening it's the bud light training camp report wesley Euler, tom offerman with you for the next two hours on ESPN pittsburgh again everything we're doing here presented by Bud Light. Come on down to the North Shore Tavern, get a stake on a stone, get a Bud Light, only $4 while we are down here having some fun rocking and rolling right by PNC Park, not too far from Heinz Field. If you are just leaving the festivities ongoing there today with open practice, I am down here at Mike's. My guy Tom is running the show back in the studio. What's up, Thomas? How we doing?
2: Uh, just extremely jealous about the steak on a stone situation right now. I can almost hear the steak simmering as they walk by your table where you're broadcasting Dude. from right now. You, the little pro tip of someone who's been a frequent uh, guest to the North Shore Tavern before, get the steak and scallops on the stone, buddy. A little surf and turf. You, don't, you won't regret now, it, em? I promise.
1: I'm glad you break that up. We're going to get to TJ Watt here in just a second. But I was thinking a little surf and turf. You know, it's oh. a Sunday, Thomas. You know, when you when you when you work on Saturday and Sunday, I feel like, you know, you feel some type of way. You feel like you should reward yourself for, for punching no the doubt. clock on a weekend with with a nice meal. I was thinking surf and turf, but I couldn't decide if I wanted to do the steak and shrimp or the steak and scallops. You're telling me here at the North Shore Tavern. The scallops are the way to go. I
2: think the scallops are the way to go. Here is the problem though, Wes. We're on the radio, as you know, for the next two hours, and you got to keep an eye on those steaks and scallops because that stone. Let me let you in on a little (laughs) secret, my friend. That stone is very hot. So you don't you want your steak medium rare? You know, a little pink on the inside. You don't want to have that thing cooking on that stone. You got to keep an eye on it. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It might be a little touch and go for you down there right now. Well,
1: what I'll probably just do, partner, is, you know, I'll wait till we're close to getting out of here before I order my meal, and then it'll, you know, slide across the table right about 7 o'clock, nice little Sunday night, nightcap, how we... Doing. So yeah, if you are down here on the North Shore, there's a lot of people down here. A lot of people scootering around. We've got scooters in Pittsburgh now. That is a completely different debate that we will not dive into, <laughs> but it is beautiful down here. They've got the indoor seating. They've got the outdoor seating at the North Shore Tavern. Come on down. Come say hello. Drink a discount Bud Light. Get yourself a stake and a stone so you can see what all this commotion what all this hubbub is about we are here until seven o'clock broadcasting live on espn pittsburgh thomas we have got plenty to get to as it relates to practice today some news coming out there we've got to talk a little hall of fame enshrinement ceremonies as well i need your thoughts on last night and as we continue to look ahead tonight two more Steelers, bill nunn and alan fanica getting inducted in canton this evening but the biggest story To this point, over the last few days, I think through the first, uh, what, almost two weeks of camp here, Thomas. Right. It's TJ Watt and the participation, or maybe I should say lack thereof from TJ. We have seen him at practice and he hasn't been absent. He hasn't been a uh, a full participant, but I think to say he's practicing is using that term loosely. He's kind of warming up. He's around. He's going through some of the motions and some of the walkthrough stuff but hasn't done any specific drills, hasn't done any teamwork drills, hasn't done any, you know, real physical banging tackling type drills. This has obviously raised a lot of questions. Keith Butler was asked yesterday, hey, there's been a lot of speculation around TJ Watt. Um, Is it an injury thing? Is it a precautionary thing? Is it related to his contract? And Keith Butler basically came right out and said that it is related to his contract, and he doesn't blame TJ. He wouldn't be practicing at this point either. Tom, uh, some people, it feels like, have tried to make a, a big deal out of this. Some people have completely brushed it off. And then, of course, you've got a few people who are coming down in the middle. Where are you at with this entire T.J. Watt thing? Do you think that this is a bad look? Are you on his side? Um, do you just think that this is part of business in 2021, that this is quite often how it goes when you have an athlete and a team and you're trying to get what will be a major contract with a lot of zeros and a lot of money attached to it over the line? Just give me kind of, you know, your pulse on this entire T.J. Watt situation.
2: I think it's beneficial for both sides, to be quite honest with you. First of all, I think it's a really unique kind of situation. We haven't really seen a holdout conducted in this manner before. It's almost like a a very, like, courteous way to hold out. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the usual method of I'm not going to show up to practice. I'm not going to show up to camp at all. You'll get me week one, you know, that practice week leading up to the actual game that matters. But that's it. That's the uh, earliest I'll show up. Instead, TJ Watt, like you said, he reported on the first day of camp. He's been a participant for individual drills and saw Mark Kabali tweet. You know, he was participating on the sled with his teammates in practice today. So it's never in my life. I don't think I've seen someone, quote unquote, hold out this way. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like that's the wrong term to apply to this because it's really not what he's doing. He's he's not going to be playing catch-up into that week leading up to the Buffalo game because he's going to be up to speed with what the defense wants to do. He's just not putting his body on the line. And, you know, as far as me saying, I think it's beneficial for both sides. I think you can't afford that guy to get hurt if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know no. that they, they got a little bit of depth at that outside linebacker spot now when you bring in Melvin Ingram and, and Alex Highsmith looks like the real deal so far. But you can't have your lead dog go down for an extended period of time during the season, and you certainly don't want to have that happen in a game that doesn't count at all. So I think it works in right. the Steelers' favor, and then, of course, for T.J. Watt, it's just good business. You don't want to blow your hammy out and miss a couple of weeks and then have to deal with a nagging injury throughout the entire season when you got to think about that long-term security of a long-term contract. So I think, sure. I think Steelers fans should be – perfectly happy with the way things are going on like I said it's kind of courteous of him he's showing up to practice and and going through some walkthroughs and keeping his body individually uh, in shape and ready to go for the start of the season and then for the Steelers they're going to have number 90 fully healthy when they go to Buffalo week one it's 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 a good thing all the way around honestly
1: no I think that's well said by you I, I I really do there there's no panic on my end uh, he's not going to forget you know, how to play football, I, you know. I mean, exactly, absolutely. It is, it is a weird situation, but it's, it's almost like TJ Watt is erring on the side of caution as opposed to, you know, Tom. Like I, I'm not concerned about this. I, I TJ Watt is not doing a a, a, a TO right. He's not skipping <laughs> no. practice, and he's he's not doing sit ups in his driveway while he's talking trash <laughs> on his teammates. If we Demanding get to that a contract, point next, yeah. Right, exactly. If we get to that point in the next couple weeks, I will be concerned, obviously. But but you, I think you're right. It is a like I don't know if bizarre situation is the right way to put it, but it's almost just a different situation in the sense of it's like a somebody was labeling it today, a hold in. Like he's not having a hold out. He's having a hold <laughs> in. Bad. And it is. It's, it's yeah, it, I kind of like that. Honestly, it works. It's, it's just a different situation. But I think you would rather have it this way than than some of the other ways that we've seen these things play out. But you mentioned the health element there. I'm interested to get your take on this. Um, I, you know, this was something that Arthur Moats was discussing earlier on our airwaves is that there is a fine line between let's keep this guy healthy. We're going to hold him out. We don't want to risk him when we don't need to. But also knowing that TJ and any football player needs that kind of ramp up period, right? Where you get your right. body. Like there's a difference. Obviously everyone knows this. I'm being captain obvious, but there's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape and having your body kind of calloused and ready to go for the rigors of what is now a 17 game NFL season. Is there any concern in your mind? Because we've seen this, you know, we saw it with Lev Bell when he was having some holdout stuff. And again, TJ's is different. He's out there, but is there any concern in your mind? We've seen a lot of instances in the NFL in recent history over the last five years, seven years, 10 years, whatever it may be where guys hold out guys aren't complete participants and then when they come back they end up picking up some soft tissue issues injuries um something nagging right maybe a hamstring or a quad something like that any concern in your mind that it could go the opposite way right where where it's fine now but if we get to the point it's it's five weeks from today tom when the steelers open up their season up in buffalo you know if we get to the point three four weeks from now and tj still not doing much do you have any concerns that that could you know that pendulum could kind of flip that all of a sudden you'd be worried that he hasn't gotten enough work in and he could be susceptible to, to some of those soft tissue, some of those small minor things early on. in the uh, year.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's a constant worry right now. And you know, you said you weren't worried about the overall situation, but the thing you just laid out really could be the only thing that's in the back of your head, kind of looming large, like a rain yeah. cloud. You know, the very mediocre Jim Harbaugh once said the body craves <laughs> contact. It craves physical contact. And I've heard a lot of NFL players say, Ben, I think, has said it before, too. You know, the season doesn't really start until he gets that first sack out of the way, until he really feels the game. And that's when you can really immerse yourself into the atmosphere of what's going on on the field and start to really excel. And, yeah, I think, you know, T.J. Watt, if he doesn't go through any preseason games or any contact drills in practice and he goes up to Buffalo week one, I mean, that left tackle, that right tackle for the Bills isn't going to take it easy oh. on TJ Watt at all. And he's going to be seeing double teams right from the jump because, let's be honest, although he's been looking like a beast so far, they're not going to respect Alex Highsmith right out of the gate. How could you Correct. when you have such a monster in number 90 on the other side? So he's going to get a ton of attention right out of the gate. And yeah, you know, you just never know how your body's going to react to actually getting that, like you said, football, it being in football shape and getting that actual contact right, for the first right. time. And, I think the injury that you speculated could happen was the perfect one, a little soft tissue damage, maybe some bruising, you know, nothing that's going to keep him out, but something that, you know, maybe he's got a bruised peck and all of a sudden it hurts to swim a little bit in the next game, you know?
1: Sure, sure. No, you know what, that that's well stated, and that is – Again, like you said, even though we're feeling better about the Steelers at the edge rusher position, uh, adding Melvin Ingram, we all have high hopes. Yeah, there's some security
2: there now, at least.
1: There is, but you still – I mean, T.J. Watt, let's not kid ourselves. He's the straw that stirs that drink. He's the guy that's been a NFL Defensive Player of the Year finalist, two straight years runner-up last year. Uh, There's a reason why he has himself in position to become the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL, which would make him – I mean, granted, you know this will get broken in another year or so, but it would make him the highest-paid Player in the history, defensive football player in the history of the National Football League. <laughs> right until pretty next crazy year, like you said, pretty crazy to say. And then yeah, and then the next year, some some young edge rusher will break it. Some you know, some Nick yeah. Bosa, some Chase Young will get a contract that'll be worth a few million dollars more, just with the salary cap and with how inflation works. But that is where T.J. Watt has positioned himself, and that is why this is such an
0: interesting debate. Okay, okay. Tom Opperman-
2: Ju- Sorry to just jump but jumping off of what no, you said no, there good, you know buddy. there's also a lot of talk about you know maybe the best thing in the Steelers minds would be to franchise tag TJ Watt for the next season oh, geez. And, and then I know that's an ugly word around this town although you know what I, Bud Dupree tried to put some shine on it you know Bud Dupree served under the franchise tag admirably last season showed up to camp and uh, performed really well until getting injured then he found his long-term contract in Tennessee so hopefully getting that st- that Le'Veon Bell stink off the franchise tag in this town but it might make sense just because you know money wise and longevity wise for the Steelers it gives them more flexibility but in a weird way could it also not work for T.J. Watt I know it'd be pretty big gamble on himself and he'd have to stay healthy but if he takes that franchise tag like you said and kicks that long-term deal down the road one more year and continues to excel and ball out and say he gets a defensive Mm -hmm. player of the year then like you illustrated the cap's just going to keep rising so maybe you know 30 million dollars this year maybe that's 32 million dollars a couple years down the road I don't know It'd be a huge you know, risk, and he bet on himself. But it might be a gamble worth taking if you really trust your health and that you know you're just entering your prime and not about to level off.
1: Now, now that is a heck of a uh, a cost risk assessment by you there, Thomas. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? That's I mean that's an interesting question. It really is. You're right. We kind of had PTSD with the with the franchise tag stuff and some of the things that happened with Lev Bell, and then seeing what happened to Bud Dupree last year on that deal. Now, granted, fortunately, it still worked out well. For Bud, and he got paid like he should have to go down to music city in tennessee i just tom you're a married man you got married recently Uh, over the summer uh i'm a married man my my wife and i just actually a week ago today celebrated our five-year wedding well how about that
2: congratulations
1: thanks buddy Uh, (laughs) a little 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 shameless plug there for for me just being a nice old husband um tom when you and i you know when when we were with our ladies when we were in that phase of dating when we wanted to get married, uh, we we you you didn't approach Emma, I don't think, and you said, "Hey, babe, you know, I, I really think you're the one." But let's take one more year here, all right? And we'll yeah. see how things are going to go. You put a ring on that finger, just like I did with Morgan. When you when you know that it's you, you've got the partner that you want to dance with, I think it's I think it's time to get out on the dance floor and make this thing happen. I I understand what you're saying and how it could honestly, in the long run, it could end up. You know, TJ could make a few extra million dollars. But I think of what he's done on his rookie contract, even more so, Tom, he's a first-round draft pick, so he was not making chump change. But it's not like he was a top-ten pick, right? It's not right. like he was making Devin Bush money on his rookie deal. No question. I just think I just think, for a guy that checks all the boxes on the field, checks all the boxes off the field, there's no concerns there. Um, he has been relatively healthy. It's not like you worry about him falling apart. In fact, if you were going to tell me one of two things is going to happen, that like he's going to get worse – or more injured, or he's going to get even a little bit better. I would go with he's going to get even a little bit better. I just think you you got to take care of your people, and it feels like right now as you start to look around, and Ben Roethlisberger is you know on the seventeenth or eighteenth green of his career, and Cam Hayward <laughs> is now the green, second maybe. longest. No, uh, hey, we're all going to the nineteenth green hey. at the North Shore Tavern. Um, I just feel like. You, you've got to look to that next generation. You know, it's kind of, we'll talk about this, but it's kind of like what Troy Polamalu was talking about and the Steeler culture and the history of yeah. wearing the black and gold and how you pass that thing down from one to another. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Hayward, even Joe Hayden, while he wasn't, you know, drafted and, and developed here, a guy who really feels like part of this core and part of this leadership group right now. Those guys are only going to be around so much longer, and it feels like the two ironclad guys you have right now going into the next era of Steelers football are T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. Like They feel like no-brainer, slam-dunk guys that are going to be here for the next five, six, seven years. I I would just take care of that guy sooner rather than
2: later. Yeah, because like you just said, you're going to have to take care of Minka too, and you're going to want to take care of Minka. I mean, those are two guys that you definitely want to hit your wagon to for the post-Ben era. I mean... Think about a perfect way to keep Steelers fan base interested in Steelers football. Then, even though you're trying to, you know, find your way with a new quarterback, right. and you're probably going to have to go right. through a lot of years of mediocrity offensively, is hey, at least them Steelers can still play some defense down there. You know what hey, I mean? At least they got I mean, an All Pro hey, I mean, I mean, At, at least did. they're not putting up too many points on them Pittsburgh Steelers when I come down to Heinz Field. But you know, that's something you know. You're not going to have something that I heard recently is with the Steelers this year, even even if Ben is terrible, when you have a good defense, you're only going to have a floor of how bad you can be. And like seven wins, eight wins is probably the lowest they can get to. And I think that's kind of what the Steelers are going to look for post Ben. You know, they're not a team that wants to really bottom out and get those really high draft picks. I know they did that for Ben Roethlisberger, but. If they have it their way, I would imagine that they'd try to be competitive immediately and not try to tank. And to do that would be to sign the two faces of your defense once, of course, Cam Hayward decides to hang it up.
1: Sign the two faces of your defense. Hopefully Najee Harris is that dude. Hopefully, and He'll yes. be in the backfield. You know, he'll be in the backfield, um, you know, Marshawn Lynch or Todd Gurley style to work in your next quarterback. Um, you revamping the offensive line right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's easy to connect those dots. Um, but you got to get T.J. Watt's contract over the line to, to kind of put the, the icing on that cake. I know we're up against it here, Tom. Before we go to break, uh, last one. Is there a point where, like, you know, Moats and I always do this thing on the Steelers Blitz. We call it the CCWP meter, right? <laughs> calm, concerned, worried, or panicked. And right now I'm, I'm calm with T.J. Watt. I'm not even concerned. I'm oh. calm. But, but at what point do you start to move up that scale, right? If, if we're sitting here two weeks from now and, and there's still nothing done if it's a week if it's three like do you have a point in your mind where you would say okay if we get to this point and there's been no contract announcement and he's still not a full practice participant then i would start to get a little concerned
2: uh, see i don't know i think i'd be calm all the way through I, I get that we just illustrated that if he doesn't participate at all in practices or any preseason action you know you might have some lingering injuries that pop up just getting thrown right into game action but then on the other side of that coin i'm sitting here thinking you know, just last year in 2020, they were dropped right into game action week one. And T.J. Watt had an absolute baller season. Now, of course, the opponents that he was going up against were in the same boat. This year would be different. He'd be going up against guys that had been playing football for a month before he got dropped in. But I, I think I'd be calm all the way through this preseason because I-, I don't think he wouldn't play in a game or practice during the regular season. Right, That's right. just not in his DNA. So, look, I, I think concerned as far as his long-term future with the team, then I might be a little concerned there, but as far as his play this year and what we're looking at if we just have 2021 in a vacuum, man, I'd be calm no matter what happens with this contract or this holdout or hold in for training camp. I I don't think there's anything that can happen with T.J. Watt this year that'll make me be anywhere, move from that calm spot on that meter at all.
1: Tom Offerman, Wesley Euler, it is the Bud Light Training Camp Report live from the North Shore Tavern on the North Shore of a Beautiful Mm. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, hanging out on a Sunday evening, folks. Come on down. Get yourself uh, something to eat, a Bud Light. They are on special up until 7 o'clock as long as we are here. More conversation to be had when we return on the other side. It's the Bud Light Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh.
0: This is the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio, presented by... Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. Lecom, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, expert care, here and by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit IrelandContracting.com. It's the Bud
1: Light Training Camp Report live from the North Shore Tavern on the North Shore of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, hanging out on a Sunday. Wesley Euler, Tom Opperman with me. If you are not familiar with the North Shore Tavern, well, what's the matter with you, you knuckleheads? But we are right on the corner, uh, what would be the third base corner of PNC Park, right across from the Clemente Bridge. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. It is a beautiful day for uh, a, a cold one here at the tavern after training camp if you're still around on the north shore they've got outdoor seating indoor seating a whole bunch going on here great menu great beer selection bud light is the special of the day of course until we are off air at seven o'clock only four dollars to get yourself a tall cold Bud light so come on down here and take advantage say hello in the process we've got plenty to discuss as, as we always do this time of year but even more so in Steeler Land, a bunch going on with the team at Heinz Field as it relates to camp, also a bunch going on over in Canton that we will discuss as well. But you know what, Tom, we solved all the world's problems as it relates to T.J. Watt in the first set. Everything's all happy
2: now. We're calm, yep.
1: What do you say we do the same now uh, on other side of the football for James Washington?
2: Oh, no. Now these are some problems that might be a little harder to solve if I'm being quite honest. This, This might take a little bit extra brain power to figure this one out. It's a tough circumstance for Mr. Washington.
1: It might, and I'm going to need your brain power, all right, because you're the one who went to Duquesne, the yeah, prestigious yeah, yeah. academic institution. <laughs> I just went to WVU, all right, <laughs> so you've got to solve this equation for us here. Uh, but it, it's been interesting the last couple days, some of the mixed reports on James Washington, and I'm not surprised by that. Uh, of course, for those who might have missed it on Friday, Adam Schefter comes out and says that his agent has requested a trade uh, just, just purely due to uh, lack of opportunity. For James Washington. We all know it's a very talented wide receiver depth chart. Juju, Deontay, Chase Clay, James Washington, all those guys, uh, at least second or third round picks. There's a lot of pedigree in that room, a lot of talent in that room. And James Washington is in a contract year. And so it was put out there by his agent in Adams Schefter that he might be seeking greener pastures in terms of getting more targets, more opportunity to position himself to get a nice contract. This offseason. Mike Thomas was asked about that yesterday, and of course, he denied it, as is to be expected. Thomas, where, where you? It's funny. I was just getting ready to say the same thing that I said to you about DJ Watt. Where's where your? You What's your pulse on this? Where, where What's am your I? Pulse yeah. on this thing? Check here? the pulse. I listen. I uh, I would understand if, if if James Washington really does want out of town. I I would completely understand that. He's very talented. He he is by far, I think, the best fourth wide receiver in the NFL. I think he could be a number two on a lot of teams in the NFL. I also understand why Mike Tomlin's playing coy, though. Uh, he is an asset. there's They're probably not going to get back something great for him on the last year of his deal, and especially if Mike Tomlin goes out there and says, yeah, he's disgruntled, we're looking to move him. Yeah. You'd, have next to, you'd have next to no leverage. But I guess along the same lines of the T.J. Watt thing, where do you think this is all going? Is there a way that the Steelers can make James Washington, you know, show him enough love this year, and, hey, we think Juju's going to be gone next year, and you're our guy? Or is it quite as simple as, you know what, if if James Washington wants out and he's willing to kind of make enough make enough fuss that just in, in 2021 is kind of where player empowerment is moving, how you how you gauge this entire thing since Friday?
2: Well, you set me up perfectly by bringing Juju into the equation at the very end there, because I think that's where this all stems from. You know, I think in James Washington's mind, going into the offseason this year, it was pretty likely that Juju was going to leave town. I mean, even... Juju was pretty much hinting at he him leaving town, and you have to imagine inside that locker room, inside that wide receiver room, they have probably a little more uh, fruity conversations with each other where they're they're willing to <laughs> spill their you know intentions more so than they will to the public, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if James Washington might be you know, hinting at, you know, hey, or excuse me, Juju might be hinting at his guys like, hey, I'm looking to make some money on the market this year. I-, I might be out of here next year. And maybe that's where this stems from. James Washington's like, okay, my turn to step up. Finally, a chance for me to move myself up this depth chart. Opportunity is going to be knocking for me in 2021. And then all of a sudden, Juju comes back to the team. I find myself back at number four. And it's kind of like, well, what the heck happened here? I was really mentally repping myself to being the guy and really having to play. You know, starter minutes at this spot, and then this guy comes back. But you're right. If I were the Steelers, that's how I would approach it if these rumors are true and he did approach them for a trade. I would try to just be open with him and say, listen, our plans kind of changed this year when Juju became available and the money became available on our end to sign him. But what we were thinking was going to happen this offseason is even more likely to happen next one with him actually leaving. I mean, he's going to want more money from us, and let's be honest, we have a crowded wide receiver room as it is if you can stay here, James. And You know, I don't think that the drop-off between a Juju and a James Washington is that far. Like, I don't know if the ocean is that big between them. And I'd also illustrate because of that reason, if a Claypool or a Juju goes down or a Deontay, you know, if the Steelers have to move James Washington up, that's a really good person to have to plug in. You're really not missing much week to week if he has to, you know, plug and play for a few uh, games here or there if he's helping with injuries. So he's too valuable of an asset depth-wise for them. And I think moving forward, he still is in the team's long-term plans. To be honest,
1: yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, I, I think that there is a, I think that they, there was probably real conversation that was had, you know, around um, this time last year that hey, this is going to be the last year of Juju here in Pittsburgh. He's going to leave, and, and you're going to have a substantial role. And then the pandemic and everything that kind of threw off free agency and made things different this year. And the salary cap didn't just plateau; it went down for the first time in our lifetime. Um, you combine that too with just the outstanding rookie season that Chase Claypool had. I don't think anybody, even those who were the most optimistic amongst him, uh, predicted that Chase would score 13 touchdowns no. his rookie season. Four
2: in one game, mind you. I mean,
1: what <laughs> exactly. An although, I, although, you know, we, we did talk to a Notre Dame reporter on SNR before the season who said that he expected Chase Claypool to be a finalist for Rookie of the Year. No, so our buddy Tom did. Loy did call it. But other than Tom Loy, nobody expected that from Chase Claypool his rookie season, I think all of those are valid conversations to have with James Washington, and I think that's all fair to lay out in front of him. But still, if, if for him, Tom, if it comes down to positioning himself, jockeying himself to get a payday after this season, that's probably not going to matter to him, right? Because he's going to think, all right, even if you stash me and, and I'm the guy going forward, you're not going to pay me what I could make if I go somewhere and I'm the number two wide receiver this year and I have 100 targets and, you know, Eight or 900 yards receiving and and a handful of touchdowns. That to me becomes the question is how much is it really for James Washington about positioning himself to cash in on this next deal versus how much he would like to have a role with the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Right. If it's not cashing in on this deal, if he stays in Pittsburgh as a fourth receiver this year and then maybe expands his role next year, he's looking at two deals from now being the time whenever he can cash in. And And then
1: all of a sudden he's 30 years old.
2: Right, so the money's going to be less at that point anyway just because, you know, who knows how long you're going to last at the receiver position at that age. There's a part of me, too, with this whole thing. If if the rumors are true, and this could be just Rosenhaus doing the Rosenhaus thing and, like
1: correct
2: you said, trying to get his m- client paid because that gets Rosenhaus paid. But And I'm sure Rosenhaus is a little disappointed with what Washington's been treated like in the NFL. Not that he's been treated poorly by the Steelers, but, you know, when you're an agent, you expect so a little more out of your second round you pick. You know what I mean? Round pick. Right. Yeah. Like when Rosenhaus. Not as much
1: opportunity for a, a Bolitnikoff winner's second round pick. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like Bolitnikoff winner Rosenhaus signing this dude out of school. He thinks he's gonna be a pretty good money maker, and he hasn't been so far. So he's definitely trying to make a move in that aspect. But say it is true, and James Washington himself did go in and approach the team, and he was like, "Look, I'm just not really happy with my playing time." You know, I, I think I deserve more opportunity. There's a part of me that says, you know, it's a, it's a coach's duty to look at him and not be mean about it, although it depends on your coaching style, but just be like, look, there's a part of this that's you to blame for not getting as much opportunity as you're getting. Look, I mean, Deontay Johnson had a lot of trouble with drops last season, and you didn't really separate yourself from him either. I mean, of course, you played well in some games, but – It's not exactly like you've been banging on the table, forcing our hand to play you, James. So I do understand that maybe if you had more opportunity, yeah, you could show some things, but at the same time, we're not seeing when we do get the opportunity to see you, we're not seeing enough to say, look, we want Deontay Johnson to be in our plans, but number 13 is just playing too well. There's no way we can avoid putting him on the field. So there's a part of me that's also like, if you're going to approach a team and say you're mad about your playing time or your opportunities – and demand a trade. You have to look internally and say to yourself, I know there's some three pretty good guys ahead of me on this depth chart, but have some pride and try to at least beat them out. You know what I mean? I mean, that's at least yes. what in my shoes I would think I would hope I would act in that situation. You got to look and, and put a little bit of the blame on yourself as well.
1: I do agree with that. Um, I wonder, too, how much, though, from his standpoint is Related to what happened down the stretch last year and and what I mean by that where I'm going with this for those who who might not be picking up What I'm putting down Last few games of the year last year right last last four or five games the Steelers offense was really struggling Right Um, Chase Claypool. It felt like it kind of stuttered a little bit. Maybe hit a little bit of a rookie wall They reduced his role. I think we can all agree on that No, Claypool was not as yeah was not as big a part of the offense down the stretch as he was certainly in the first half of the season And you combine that with what everyone knows. Deontay Johnson was also struggling at that time, too. He had the drop-itis. He was even benched in one of the games. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if it was the Bengals game. I want to say the Bengals game, yeah. Yeah, Deontay Johnson benched for, for some of the drop issues that he had. With that backdrop, Tom, I think you would probably think from James Washington's perspective, okay, Chase Claypool, they're not using him as much. Deontay Johnson, they're upset with his drop issues. But it still felt like at that point James Washington didn't have a huge role in the offense. Um, his touches went down from he or his targets part of me went down from eighty in two thousand and nineteen to just over fifty last year, even with some of that concern with Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. So I just I, I I agree with what you're saying. I do, and I think there are a lot of angles to this. As as there are as there always are, right? There's there's two yeah. sides to every story with everything. But I I can see like if he's discouraged and thinking that all right if it didn't happen for me down the stretch last year when they were when they were sour on Deontay <laughs> they needed Johnson, yeah when right they were, when they were slowing down Chase Claypool when is it going to happen for me
2: especially with you know Chase Claypool now having a year in the NFL under his belt you don't expect him to hit that rookie wall and right. look well the guy to beat out is Deontay Johnson right I mean that's the one that's the weakest yes. spot yes. Uh, at least but. What Deontay can do with the ball in his hands, as long as he actually catches the ball and gets it in his hands, <laughs> is
1: spectacular.
2: Dynamic. I mean, he's such a yeah. dynamic player after the catch. And I mean, it's why he was such a stellar punt returner his rookie season, making the all pro team as a punt returner. Why he was such a dynamic player at Toledo in college in the MAC. I mean, he gave people nightmares in the offense and in special teams back then. And it's just his ability to make people miss is so valuable, especially in today's NFL. That you you're almost willing to extend more to him and, and allow him to make a couple of mistakes with the drops and, and still award him opportunity after opportunity, because right. of what he could become and going along with what you're saying that could maybe tick James Washington off some as well is just saying look I mean what does this guy have to I was do drafted, to be I was drafted benched? around
1: earlier than this guy yeah I was more like productive in why and does he get all the I
2: afforded you know drops yeah. and then he still comes in in 2021 and he's just the number three guy automatically you know. I do see where he's coming from as far as if he indeed go into the office and suggest a trade. I don't see how anybody couldn't understand his frustration at this point. But at the same time, like I said, you've got to also put a little bit on yourself. You know, you're know, you in this position because of you as well, not just because of the circumstances yes. around you.
1: I think that's well said, and that is obviously uh, something that we're going to be looking at as well. So, again, Thomas, uh, as we wrap this segment up, I ask you a similar question that I asked you about <laughs> T.J. Watt. Do you get to any point with James Washington that you would consider a breaking point? Um, If if we don't hear anything more about this in the next two weeks, do you think we're in the clear? If if this continues to to bubble and maybe his agent speaks out in the next week or two, would you think about trading him? Is there a certain compensation that you have in mind? Where do you think this all, how do you think this all gets resolved in the next few weeks?
2: Well, I'd be actually trending more towards concerned right now as far as James Washington uh, Hmm. on that meter because, you know, even if that keeps going with the agent saying, yeah, he's doubling down and he wants to trade, the Steelers aren't going to trade him. There's just no way that they'd get anything in return that would be... they get uh,
1: nowhere close to a second-round pick. N- no, it's not no,
2: happening. no, 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 no. And even if you had a third or a fourth-round pick, I mean, that's great, but you're, you're trying to win now. I mean, the window is with Ben Roethlisberger now. Correct. And James Correct. Washington just affords you such great depth at that position. You're going to need him. Someone's going to go down during the regular season for a couple of games or... If you're lucky, just a game, but it's gonna happen, and James Washington's gonna have to play starter minutes. So, I'm a little concerned, though, that you know this is kind of a distraction, and you could say that this, you call me a hypocrite and say, "Oh, you just said you were very calm about TJ," and that's the ultimate distraction, but. You know, it's different. You know, I know you hate to yeah. hear the Steelers nation, but when you're a great player, you can cause a little bit of bigger distractions and get away with it. No, <laughs> that's blasphemy. AB went way too far. No question about it. AB took that power and ran way too far with it. TJ Watts, not going to be like that, but I'm more okay with a guy like TJ Watt making a little noise as opposed to James Washington, fourth string wide receiver, making noise. And again, yes. you just want these guys to stay ready for when their number is called upon. I mean, Tomlin and every other NFL football coach says next man up mentality and you don't want to have to turn to James Washington down that stretch run when you're going into Kansas city and you desperately need to try to pull a miracle off and Juju's down Correct. for a week and James Washington's heads in already the offseason and looking to move on from the Steelers. So there's a little concern on my part as it, as it stands right now.
1: Thomas, a wise man once said more talent, more tolerance. Yes. Less talent, less tolerance Very wise. and i think I, I think that's uh you know if you're kind of trying to juxtapose these two situations at the same time why tj watt gets a little bit longer of a leash than our buddy james washington but we hope they are both satisfied and ready to go certainly five weeks from today folks 35 days uh to this moment we'll be reacting to either a win or a loss against those buffalo bills up in orchard park five days from today the NFL season getting underway for the Steelers up there in Buffalo. Just a few hours north on 79. Tom in Wesley Euler, at the North Shore Tavern on the North Shore right next to PNC Park where Bud Light is on special. Just 4 bucks for a tall, cold Bud Light until 7 o'clock. That's when we are here until. Come on down, get yourself a meal, get yourself a cold one, hang out, talk a little Steelers with us in the process It is the Bud Light Training Camp Report here on ESPN Pittsburgh.
0: It's the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, expert care, here and by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit irelandcontracting.com. No
1: better place to be in Pittsburgh right now than the North Shore Tavern. It is beautiful. The garage, the windows are open. You can see the Clemente Bridge down the street. PNC Park right in front of us as well. Bud Light is on special. It is the Bud Light training camp report here from the North Shore Tavern. Wesley Euler, Tom Opperman having some fun on a Sunday night. Sunday fun day. Still some time to get down here, get yourself a delicious meal, get some Bud Light on special, and keep away those Sunday scaries. Are are you a Sunday scary guy, Tom?
2: I do get some Sunday scaries. Um, Me too. I hate to admit that because we kind of work in an industry where sometimes... You know, Mondays aren't exactly like everybody else's Mondays. You know? <laughs> right. Peeling the curtain back, you know, if I don't have to do much for Steelers covers or anything else, I don't have to come in to do Mark Madden show until like two in the afternoon at some point. So right, it can be real peachy. But you know, you know what, Wes, a lot of people don't understand. There's a lot of groundwork that goes in before you actually get in to do. Oh, for sure, lad. Here. So yeah, I definitely am a big Sunday scary guy. I'm not feeling them right now, though. All the days kind of blend together in training camp. I mean, I work. I, I, I we both have that. worked all weekend long. It's basically been just. I was I was Weeks gonna say for us.
1: like <laughs> one one thing that I do like about working Saturdays and Sundays is that you don't get that same Sunday like existential dread feeling. No question. When you when you're just when you're just working the whole weekend anyways. So we for that training camp we are thankful. There was some big news coming out of training camp today, Tom. I don't even know if maybe big news is the wrong way to word it, but a pretty big statement from head coach Mike Tomlin. Uh, no holding back in his post practice press conference. Uh, We've talked about, you know, the T.J. Watt saga and and with his contract and will he practice? Will he not practice? Are they going to get that deal over the line? That has been a a big chunk of the training camp conversation. But coming into training camp 2021, uh, the biggest thing that we were talking about in Steelers land was the offensive line. How we feel really good about the defense. We feel really good about Najee Harris. If we can get the offensive line sorted, that this offense can be much better than last year and, of course, much less one-dimensional and predictable than they were down the stretch. Uh, Kevin Dotson was one of those pieces of the offensive line that we were calm and confident about Thomas. He was coming into his second year. He showed some flashes his freshman season, his rookie year. Um, You know you've got a lot of moving parts on that offensive line but you're feeling good. All right, we got Dotson back. He's gonna take a big step forward. We really like what we saw from this guy last year. That comes into camp and all of a sudden He's limited in participation. Even when he is participating out there, he has not been with the first team offensive line. And so that has, you know, raised some eyebrows, raised some questions. Today after practice, Joe Rutter asked Mike Tomlin directly, hey, what's going on with Dotson? Why is he working with the second team? Why isn't he taking any snaps with the starters? And Mike Tomlin uh, spared no punches here. He said, and I quote, He has done nothing to earn first-team reps. What are we talking about? He's a second-year guy who hasn't worked, end quote. My goodness, Tom, that is when you're feeling good about your guy and, all right, we need him to be a stalwart on the interior offensive line, and Kevin Dotson feels like the future of this offensive line as they chart a new path and a lot of new faces Yikes, buddy! That's not necessarily a glowing endorsement from your head coach. No, that's
2: that's scorcher as far as Mike Tomlin's concerned. A guy who we know plays his cards pretty close to his chest, and when he wants to say something like that, he's doing it on purpose. So they obviously feel like nothing they're saying to get through to Dotson is working. So they got to they got to take it out into the public eye now and let the world know. Listen, the reason why he's not there, it's not an injury thing. It's not a bringing him up the speed thing. He's just not there as far as his level of play is concerned, and. That's forced their hand to put Rashad Coward in that guard spot, and that's a spot that I do not want to be in, is having Coward to have to play yeah. in that position. Been interesting to me that it seems like they're going with Coward on that spot. You know, maybe I would think a Finney would be more appropriate. Yeah, he's been more, banged up, too. That's the only that's problem. That's true, and then, of course, you know, you don't know what you're doing with Hassenhower yet because you can't say Kendrick Green's the starting center, but I would like Hasenhauer to be the backup for that guard depth as well. But Agreed. anyway, that's a, that's a whole different um, – Topic. When it comes to Kevin Dodson, look, there was talk in the offseason that he wasn't doing the best as far as what the Steelers wanted him to be doing in the offseason. And it's starting right. to translate over into yeah. camp where you're seeing that same thing with them is they're not pleased with his work and they're not pleased with where he's at. And it's very concerning, man, because like you said, this is a guy that we had high hopes on. It's strange, you know, the Steelers' line was really well doing really well early in the season last year when he was starting for DeCastro to the point where a lot of people were calling for him to play more, and he didn't down the stretch of the season. So there might be some friction going back to that point with the Steelers and this guy as far as how they view him as opposed to the public eye.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point by you, and it just seemed like it's been been bubbling a little bit on the surface. It goes back to training camp, right, too. I mean, you, you just touched on it. And there was those reports made during training camp that the Steelers were upset with Kevin Dotson with what he did this offseason, that they didn't think he came back into camp in good enough shape. And then Kevin Dotson responded by posting all kinds of workout videos yeah. on his TikTok <laughs> and on his Instagram. The classic but you know move, what? It, yeah. it, in high, it is the classic move, right? And I can just hear Arthur Motes in the background. It's the NFL. Everybody works out. I don't care. <laughs> but the Steelers did a really good job to downplay that during many camp. But now, all of a sudden, it seems like it's gone in the opposite direction. And that is another one of those, Tom, you know, during minicamp, it's a little bitty, all right, you know what? We'll kid gloves with this young man. We'll hope that he comes back in another month, uh, more ready to go in a better place. And then all of a sudden, he doesn't. Uh, it's just, it, this w- it'd be one thing, right, if all of a sudden Kevin Dotson was, you know, there was some, some smoke around his name and some talk of, you know, uh, some disappointment, whatever it might be. But, like, you just kind of laid out for us, man, this... This is nothing new. This dates back to, to over the summer and to maybe even the end of last season.
2: Man, i, I got to be honest. you got to get a little closer to hitting the panic
1: with him, right, at this point. Oh, jeez. I mean, I'm, I'm at W. I'm a CCWP meter. I'm at worried. I'm yeah, at
2: a W. Because it's getting – I know we still have a long way to go. I mean, this, this is technically when training camp should be picking up and the preseason starting for the Steelers. They were just one of the yes. two unlucky yes. or lucky, whatever your point of view is, teams that had to play the extra <laughs> week and play the extra game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here with him because as things start to ramp up and they start to really start focusing for Buffalo, if he's not able to get up to speed and, and beat out Rashad freaking Coward, I mean, no offense <laughs> oh. to him, but, like, if you can't beat that dude out, then we got a lot of problems here. We got problems, and, yeah. And, again, not to say maybe when B.J. Finney's healthy, that's the guy that they end up going with, which would make me feel a little bit more sure. comfortable with the sure. line. But I mean, we were putting all of our eggs in this Kevin Dotson back bracket. I mean, uh, we I'm really not, were. On mine and Jacob Rex show, Steeler Standard, we were doing you know guys who we think could become first year, uh, first time Pro Bowlers this season for the Steelers, and Kevin Dotson was the one on my list for offense that I thought this guy has all the tools yeah. and was honestly playing like a Pro Bowler in the four games he had to start before DeCastro came back last year. I think he's going to hit the ground running this year, and he's going to crown himself a Pro Bowler in just the second year. And now here we are, uh, two weeks into Steelers camp, three cool. preseason games until the season starts. What do you say? Thirty-five days until we go up to Buffalo. Thirty-five to play days, the Bills. five weeks
1: to the day when the Steelers open up against the Bills. And we got
2: left guard problems, and this is the spot that we didn't think we were going to have any problems at. You know, we're worried about the yep. tackles breaking in Chooks and Banner. We're worried about breaking in the new center, Trey Turner and Dotson at the guard spots were supposed to be the ones that you're sure about. And, and to be quite honest, Trey Turner coming off that injury. Dotson, and I think you said this at the beginning of the segment, was the one you were the most comfortable with, and he's you the really one that's were. the furthest behind. So very I mean, concerned. Like, think very about it, right? To, like, very close to panic for me.
1: Yeah, DeCastro and Pouncey are gone. Zach Banner's coming off a major injury himself. Chooks has been moved to the other side. Trey Turner coming off an injury in a down season. You're going to have either a guy in J.C. Hassenauer or B.J. Finney who have kind of bounced around and been a little bit of journeyman or backup guys or a rookie third round pick, Kendrick Green as your as your starting <laughs> right. center. Man, there, I think to say, Tom, you're right. To like to say that there was high hopes with Kevin Dotson would probably be putting it lightly. Like that would probably be underselling it. It was like, all right, well, this guy's gonna be our next Ramon Foster, our next David DeCastro. He's gonna be our next stalwart interior offensive lineman. We'll work everything around him. And now all of a sudden it's been a lot of Rashad Coward. And like you said, I don't I don't mean to poo-poo that guy. And he has honestly looked pretty good from what I've seen. But it just felt like so much... Tom, like in the offseason, around the draft, around OTAs and minicamp and stuff, so much of the optimism with this offensive line, I feel like, centered around two things. One... David DeCastro rounding back into David DeCastro form, and two, Kevin Dotson taking that next step forward in his career, (laughs) and now David DeCastro was released, and Kevin Dotson looks like he's plateauing. Not good.
2: And we still don't know what the deal is with Dave, right? I mean, I guess he's a free agent, but no one seems to be snapping him He is.
1: I I checked last week. He is still listed in the free agent database. He's just going
2: to end up retiring, but you're right. I mean, Those were the two things that we were sitting here, you know, once 2020 ended and Pounce decided to retire. It was like, well, at least we got our guards figured out. And then it's just been nothing but a curveball after curveball at that position. Steelers did a pretty good job hitting the first curveball, going out and getting a guy like Trey Turner. I think that's a pretty underrated signing that as long as his knees hold up, he's going to be a pretty damn good player on that line. He's going to help hold things together for that team. He'll be the most veteran presence although he hasn't put a snap in a stealer uniform the guy's been to three pro bowls before played a lot of time in carolina and just with the chargers last year so he's got veteran experience there so i think that's a really underrated signing but once you hit that curveball the second one's thrown on the other side and i just don't know how you hit this one there's not another trey turner that you can go out there and get you got to figure it out in house and your in-house
1: options ain't that great it's not just a curveball, Tom. It's a Greg Maddox curveball. Oh, I mean, geez, just a knee-buckler. Just, just unhittable, oh, baby. Yeah. Tom Opperman, Wesley Euler, laying it all down for you here. Live from the North Shore Tavern on the North Shore of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on just a picturesque Sunday evening. One hour in the books, another hour to go. Come on down, say hello. Bud Light is on special. We've got plenty to get to in the second hour of the show. We spent a lot of the first hour looking uh, back towards training camp and some of the storylines for their second hour. I do want to get Tom's opinion on everything we saw last night at the Hall of Fame ceremony, Hall of Fame induction night one, and we'll look ahead to night two as well uh, as we anticipate Bill Nunn and Alan Fanica going uh, and getting their enshrinement in Canton this evening. We'll also hear from Alan Fanica in hour number two as well. So don't go anywhere. It's the Bud Light training camp report live from the North Shore Tavern on ESPN Pittsburgh.